This week on the Three Rings podcast. I always say that there's no formula. Kim came back to me and was like, we're doing Take That Tour again. Do you want to be a dancer on it? And I was like, how can I say no to this? And I was like, no, I need to say no. I need to like be looked at the way I want to be seen. I feel like sometimes we forget that we need to act like professionals. Welcome to the 10th episode of the Free Rings podcast. My name's Stuart Bishop and I'm here with my fellow director, Bailey J. Muir. Before we dive into the video, hit subscribe to the channel, click the like button and turn on the notification bell so you know all about next week's episode as well. This week we have a very special guest. We're very excited to announce Adrian Gass. Adrian is one of the UK's leading choreographers and movement directors. Hailing from Ibiza and training at Performers College, Adrian has gone on to become one of the commercial industry's most successful artists, working with the likes of Take That, The Voice, Ed Sheeran and Elton John to name just a few. Whilst continuing with his illustrious creative career, Adrian is now working on a new project, Casting Chronicles, a book sharing hilarious, horrendous and life-changing stories from the casting room. Adrian Gass, the legend himself. How are you? <laughs> yeah, great, thank you. Oh man, it's it's a long time no see. It has been a while. Where are you right now? Are you are you are you in England? Are you in Ibiza? What what, what what's your status? What are you doing? Yes, I am in East London at the minute, not in Ibiza, unfortunately. Definitely a lot colder here. Oh, tell me about it. Before we go on to, we've got a load of questions for you. We're very excited to have you. You know, thank you very much, um, for, 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 for being here. We said when we started this podcast, we've only, we've only, uh, this is our 10th episode. We said that we want to, um, we were going to do a few and then we're going to start getting guests. And the guests that we wanted, we wanted to be high caliber people that, um, performers can learn from so it's it's awesome to have you um but before we delve into all these questions just give us a bit of a show off what you're doing right now what you, you you're not here just um enjoying christmas i'm sure you're you're on some kind of awesome job well this week i'm i'm working on strictly and then also i'm going on a ship uh, in a couple of days uh doing this now new nicole scherzinger show that we're doing for piano cruises do you know what I mean, Bailey? That's what you want, isn't it? Especially this time of year, like the industry tends to go so quiet. The fact you're so active, Adrian, just like shows the calibre that you really are. It's incredible. I just got lucky that you've asked me this question this week, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's the good people who are still working and, and, and the lesser ones who go quiet and have to, I suppose you know, settle for Panto. I'm not saying Panto is, is a settling, but, you know, we'd rather be choreographing for Strictly, I, I reckon, than... Um, and when you say Nicole Schuschenko, is it, what, what is that? Is that a new, it's a new show she's doing on, 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 a, on a cruise, then, is it? So, but basically, uh, Nicole Schuschenko is uh, an ambassador of Piano Cruises, and alongside with her being an ambassador, um, they wanted her to create a show for Piano Cruises, so they brought me in to co-create a show with her. So both of us have been for the last like six months, like meeting and here and there to put a show together. So she has her name on this show that we've created together on, on two of the ships. And yeah, we're finally getting on the ship to try and put it together and finally put it on board. Wow. Wow. What's, what, 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 what's, I mean, you have to say, <laughs> you have to say she's lovely, but what is she like in real life? I've never met her. 
No, I mean, yeah, she's been great. Like we've had a, we've luckily we've really clicked. Obviously, when you work with people, you never know what the journey is going to be like. If it's going to be easy or hard, but um, we got very lucky that we kind of liked the same things. We had the same taste in music and stuff like that. So, it luckily has been a quite an easy journey. So I'm very grateful. Okay, well, let's get into these questions. First of all, we want to know how you first got into dance yeah so basically like dancing has been ingrained in me since i was in my mother's womb like <laughs> my mum was a dancer uh, my nan was a dancer uh they were both tiller girls for the the younger people won't know what that is but older people might understand what that is that was you know they were the famous tiller girls in england so they were both uh, that and then they performed in the west end for many years and then my mum moved to Ibiza. She went to spend a summer in Ibiza, ended up staying forever and met my dad out there. And then they opened a dancing school eventually. So basically, and that was a few years before I was born. So even when I was in the womb, my mum was already like on stage, like performing and teaching and all that kind of stuff. So it's just, it's always been there. I sat like, you know, through being a baby till I started dancing when I was eight I was just in a pram in the dancing studio. All I kept hearing was five, six, seven, eight and all that kind of stuff. So, it, you know, it's just, it was always meant to be. And, you know, even though it's what I have ended up doing and I'm like third generation uh, dancer, it's not actually something that my parents never like pushed me to do. Um, luckily enough, it was me that actually said, I want to do this professionally. And, you know, luckily they gave me the support. Um, my dad being a musician as well. So, you know, same industry, um, it was just very easy for me to be able to do what I wanted to do, really. That sounds like such a beautiful way of that having come around as well. The fact your parent, well, your mother and your grandmother were dancers, but it weren't so much like pressured for you to do it. I know we so often hear these stories in the industry of like incredible young kids who like have these pushy parents behind them who get them to do it. And that actually makes them like fall out of love with dancing. Do you feel the fact that you didn't have that pressure behind, even though... I guess there was probably a bit of an influence expectation that they kind of deep down hoped you would be a dancer. Do you think that where they were maybe slightly softer with not making you do it really helped you to actually go on and make a real go at it? Yeah, I mean, you know, they everything was there for me to be able to do it, but it was never a pressure. So I definitely feel that was a factor. Um, I'm not a person that if you push me to do something, I'll want to do it. I mean, especially when you're younger, like no one wants that. You always normally rebel against it, don't you? So I guess they definitely did the, uh, the right thing, or at least for me, they did the right thing to be able to follow my dream and want to perform. And, you know, I was very lucky that because they knew the industry and everything, like they, you know, they knew where I should go and what options I had. So uh, you know, I, I felt very fortunate, really, to be able to have all the right channels to be able to do so. And that option was at, for training performers. Tell us about your 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 time. Um, so you, you know, that must have been a big step to because you were you obviously you, you know you're you're in Ibiza and then you you moved to England. What was that like? Yeah. So when I was because you know in Spain, what is it here? Is is it the A? You go into the A levels? Um, is it? I can't remember what age it is. Yeah. So, well, I left when I was 16. So I guess I finished what was my the equal to my GCSEs here. And then it was the option of like what to do next. Um, and I either wanted to be an architect or a dancer. Um, and I just, I don't know, I, I guess 
I wasn't really sure, but I've liked both options. And my parents like sent me, um, we got all like the booklets from all the colleges back then. Yeah, I don't know what it, how it works now. It's probably all digital now, but you got these beautiful booklets like with all pictures and like tell you about all the colleges. And I got quite a few from like English colleges. My, my mum was like, if you want to do it, you're going to do it properly and you're going to go back to England. Because back then there wasn't really many options to go to a college in Spain. Um, and obviously there was so much more opportunity after going to college in England uh, to work. So, yeah, and I don't know what it was, but I got like the performance college one is the one that for me felt right. Um, so I came over the, the additions for going into the college had already finished. Um, so there was no option of that. So I went to the summer school and they let me audition like through the summer school. So I, was, I went for like a week to performers. Um, my English definitely wasn't as good as it is right now. Um, I was just this little like Spanish young kid, like going to a different country uh, to do this. And yeah, I, luckily enough, um, I got in. I didn't get a, what do you call it, a grant or a, like a sponsorship or anything. A scholarship. Um, my parents, a yeah, scholarship, exactly. Um, and yeah, I decided, you know, they accepted me. So I was like, it was no brainer for me, really. I, or like, all I wanted to do was just come to England and go to performance. And yeah, that was the beginning, really. They liked the little Adrian gas from, 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 from the Spanish island, the Balearic island. <laughs> I think I just got lucky that back then, really, there wasn't many boys. So I think any time there was like a half decent boy, they were just excited to welcome. I just got very lucky. I, uh, I, was, I wasn't that good, really. I think it's definitely performance college that really like those three years that really turned me around and I really had to switch my brain to realise that I really wanted this and I needed to go for it. That's interesting, actually, because Bailey, um, you're from the generation that you had to be good. <laughs> you had to be good as a boy to get in. Uh, I was exactly the same. They were literally, body work like, you, oh, you're a, you've got a penis. Uh, come, <laughs> you know, you, you, you just had to be half good. But Bailey, I mean, when, when you, by the time you went to college, it was, it was, diversity flawless you know there was all these sort of sort of acts that were inspiring people to boys to get in oh god yeah i mean i was like very much inspired by diversity to go um but i, I remember even like when i was on like the audition scene for colleges like bird i think wilts were doing it performers definitely did it we had like full-on just boys exclusive audition days which must sound so crazy to both of you two to hear that going on, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're we're actually... Adrian, you're not as old as me, I don't think. How old, how old are you, Adrian, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 39. Bloody hell, you are almost uh, as old. It, it all goes down... I, I'm 45. It all goes pear-shaped uh, from 40, Adrian, so... I think I think you, you choose when it starts going downhill from here, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are right. You're right. So... Uh, what I'm very interested in is, you know, I remember you as a dancer and to me, you were very different to other commercial dancers. You, 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 you didn't, it was like, uh, now how can I say this without being offensive to other professional dancers and also not causing offence to you, Adrian? In my head, it was like you were just a very calm and very, a different type of dancer and it seemed obvious you were always going to it, it seemed obvious that you weren't just going to be a dancer where where the other dancers were I don't know you could see they had the mold of this kind of I don't know just pure that's what they're going to do with you it seemed 
you had a, a very mature head, a very kind of, you looked like someone who was going to become uh, a, a, a choreographer, a director, or whatever you wanted to be. Um, is that a fair kind of, like, you know, I don't want you to take any kind of, I'm not saying you didn't look like a commercial dancer, but you just, there was always something different about you, which, which I don't know, you know, you just seemed more intelligent. May I say? I'm sure you don't mind me saying that. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, like, how to say, I, I think I did mature quite early on. I guess, one, having to leave where I lived at 16, and I know, you know, most students do that, but it was also going to another country with different kind of way of living and all that kind of stuff. That certainly, like, for me, like, felt like, you know, my maturity started quite early. And then when I was 20, also, like, my, my father passed away. So I feel like there's the change of gear there as well, where, like, all of a sudden, you have to be there for your mum, you have to be there for your family, and you have to put, like, a different head on. Um, and also just, like, my peers, you know, like my dad, my mum, uh, Brian Rogers at Performance College, all these people that kind of guided me through it and just I feel like always taught me to treat everyone as you want to be treated. And I, you know, I guess I, from my dad, I got that calmness. My dad was a very calm person. Um, I'm not someone, I don't know, I'm not someone that like aspires too much. I'm just quite happy doing whatever makes me happy and just going day by day um and I, I just I don't know I I do agree that wasn't necessarily like the most like commercial like or looking or whatever it was that but I just kind of just made sure that I enjoyed every day to my fullest I know it sounds very like cliche but I generally do like I'm just quite happy to be wherever the fuck I was so sorry for swearing <laughs> but being wherever I was and every job like treat it as the best job that you've ever had. Do you know what I mean? I don't care if it was like a little promo dance job one day or being on the biggest TV another day. I feel like I've always had that kind of outlook in life that I'm just grateful for anything that goes slightly well. Um, and I guess, I don't know if I'm derailing or if there is a response to what you said, but that's kind of, yeah. I didn't actually give you a question, I don't think. I just kind of just rambled. But it, it, I'll be honest with you, as a, I, I think maybe we worked once or twice together. Um, and I, I definitely remember you were on the, the pretty, do you remember the pretty, the pretty poly job? And it was unnerving for me as a choreographer when you do get those type of dancers because you, you, you have to, you have to be on top of your game, basically, because you can feel that, oh, wow, this, the, these, there was always, there's certain people. It's the same with actually when I used to work with Johnny White and we were just talking about him before we came off camera. When you know these type of people are going to go on further, you almost feel that you're getting them at a, you're getting them uh, for borrowed time, you know? Um, so it was a, you know, I remember for Pretty Polly thinking, um, at the time, it, it, very professional, very, very, uh, um, intelligent, very nice person, but still, as a choreographer, I felt nervous having you on the job because it, it felt like I had to, I had to, you know, make sure that I was, um, you know, doing a good job. Which I remember that pretty poly one. It was a bloody just a nightmare trying to do the fucking Kuroko and all the. God, it was a that was stressful job. It was fun. It was definitely fun though. <laughs> Obviously, it's easy when you're the dancer because there's no 
as much pressure. Like, you know what I mean? You turn up to rehearsals, you bed told what to do, you leave rehearsals, you chill. But it's definitely another another whole story when you're running the gig, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Uh, we were talking yesterday about um, colleges, me and Bailey, and we then got on to the conversation about Brian Rogers. What was it you wanted to ask him, Bailey, regarding Brian? Yeah, so obviously you trained under Brian Rogers, and I noticed on your CV that you'd then gone on to assist him on the Lionel Richie job as well. And I'd love to like hear how that felt to you to actually like be there assisting the person who I guess was kind of like a mentor to you. Yeah, like 100%. Like, you know, I always really looked up to him. And not only because of like, you know, all the incredible stuff he did throughout the years, but it was mainly like he's the way he was. And that's really like he was genuinely like the most beautiful person. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he's, he, he whoever he had a conversation with, you felt like he was fully 100% engaged in you like he made everyone feel special and that's like you know that's something that obviously everyone ends up talking about when you know someone passes away and everyone has these conversations it's like he just engaged with everyone so much and he made you feel like you were the most important person or the best person and you felt worthy like and and to then yeah exactly as you said like from learning from him to then like assist him and stuff of course like there was a lot of pressure but it was incredible and as I said like it's just everything is so easy next to him nothing felt like work it just felt like a pleasure to just be able to do it it's interesting you say that because the, I only met Brian twice and it was once to come in take an audition and and once to come in and give a talk and it was so brief that I, uh, the time I, most of the time it was Jan who who you know I was with but um he the moment he came into the office he didn't know who I was, but he made me feel like, you know, Jan's, oh, this is Stuart Bishop. He's coming to do an audition. And, you know, and I mean, maybe he knew who I was, but he made me feel just so comfortable because I was like, oh, my God, it's Brian Rogers. Like, because not many um, sort of co um, college owners, you know, they, they have in their bios that they did work and they've done that and they had a bit of a career. But really their focus was, you know, is, is about teaching. Where with Brian, he, you know, he, he while the, 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 the college was building, he was just, he was still just all around the world. Cliff Richard, this person, Lionel Richie, like, you know, an amazing person. I think the industry is, um, is definitely worse off with him not, not around. Um, <laughs> that's just my, my little two pence to that. Um, right. So was it always the plan to go from dancer to, to choreographer? And also I'm going to, I'm going to add this. We, uh, me and Bailey often talk about the assistant role and whether it's a poison chalice, but you seem to be one of the very few who have, um, worked a lot as an assistant but then made the breakthrough to be able to go to full choreographer. Um, so let's go back to with that. So was it the plan to go from dance to choreographer and then, and then talk to us about, um, you know, just sort of your assistant kind of years and whether you were seeing that as the step up or whether you, you know, did you think, right, I'll assist and that will get me or were you just, you know, feeling grateful for that or what was the plan? There was never really a plan. Um, I I just kind of, I, when I was a dancer, I think 
because of the way I was in rehearsals and stuff like that, it kind of naturally took me to assist. Um, but let me backtrack a bit. When I was a performers in my third year, um, I won, they used to do like a, well, they still do. They used to do like a, a competition, a choreography competition. And when I was in my third year, it was the first time I'd even thought about choreographing something. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll give it a go. And I won the the competition. And then my number ended up being in the performers show. And that was the first time that performers had ever included in their show a performance from their student. Um, and funny enough, that's something that now still carries on since the year that I did it and they made the decision to put it in the show. Um, and I guess that was the first time I was like, oh, choreography. Um, it's not something I thought, obviously, especially at college, because like, it's not like now that everyone is a dancer, choreographer, creative, da, 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 from word go. Back then, you were just happy to just be a dancer. Um, but that obviously, I guess that planted the seed without me really knowing it too much. Um, and then, yeah, my natural progress that was the when I started doing dance jobs that by the second or third time of working for a choreographer, sometimes I'd get asked if, you know, if there was a gap because the usual assistant wasn't available or whatever, I started to naturally step in. I never asked a choreographer that I wanted to do that role. It's just something that kind of naturally happened. And then when I started to assist different choreographers and stuff like that over the years, after like four or five years, then sometimes an agency when a choreographer wasn't, available they would ask me would you be interested to do this little job or if a choreographer wasn't available they'd ask me if I would wanted to do it once again I never really asked that I never said that I wanted to choreograph it kind of just slowly happened so I have to say I've never really looked more forward than like the next three months of my life to be completely honest more now as an adulting but not nothing to do with the industry um but no, in the dance career, I kind of I'm very lucky that it just kind of happened. Uh, that I don't think I had a formula or I know a formula. It just I was very lucky that it fortunate that it kind of went in that direction. Really, it's so interesting to hear like how organically that happened for you. I'd love to actually get your advice on like how people would go about making that transition because you hear so many people in the industry with stories like yourself where it just organically happened. But then equally, you hear so many people who have like this plan of it happening that are constantly then striving after it and it never quite comes off. Like, how would you advise like striking the balance with that? What do you feel is the best way to come through that and make that transition? I mean, I, I always say that there's no formula. Like, I always just believe that if you channel it and work hard and do things well, like, I think... I think karma is a massive thing in my life. I think, as I said earlier, if you treat people right and you do a good job, like people will remember you and people will want to work with you. I know, as I said, that's just how it happened to me. I don't believe there's a way to do it. As you said, then there's other people that have just like channeled it, channeled it, put it out there, you know, you know, tell everyone that this is what I want to do next. And like, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think everyone has their way as long as you stay true to yourself and to what you believe and do things well and not in a malicious way or trying to backstab people or anything like that, I think you just need to be real. I think you need to be good. You need to be a human being. And I just think that 
you know, whatever you put out there, the world will give back to you. And I, I'm, I'm a big believer. And I guess I'm a big believer because that it has happened to me like that. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I couldn't tell you it's this way, that way or the other. So um, hearing that, do you have your own kind of um, sort of personal development kind of, you know, journey or, you know, are you, you know, what are you doing to make yourself so calm and so sort of on it? Because you are, you're very articulate. You're very, it's very, you know, dancers aren't like this, Adrian. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're all over the place. Um, but you are very, very just calm and focused. And it's, it's, it's very endearing, I think. And it's very, um, it makes people want to listen to you. Um, what what is your you must be doing you know you can't it can't all be natural there must be some kind of you know what in a day or in a week are you meditating are you what's 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 your secret no i'm i'm a very simple guy <laughs> i don't like you know there, of course there's also some chaos in my life um i'm not very good with like you know like tasks and things like that like i am a bit chaotic in my in my mind sometimes but I think I'm very lucky that I am a very calm person and that sometimes can be annoying to other people sometimes it's a joy um but no like I don't want to sound like oh just this is how I am but I truly it is kind of and for the better and the worse like I just I honestly just I've always looked up to people and I always I'm very thoughtful when I was like whenever I became something bigger you know from the dancer to assistant to assistant I always looked at the people that I used to like when I was a dancer people used to assist like I'm I'm very methodical with looking at people and going what they're doing good what they're doing bad what I want to take from that person and just try and take the best qualities out of people and try and make them my own um you know I see you see so many people that like you've known for years and they become you know, a choreographer, or whatever, and then like their brain switches, they have to react in different ways and things like that. And I was like, for me, I think for me, it's never about like what the next job is. For me, it's just making sure that like I have a great time. And if I have a great time and I put it out there, I just want everyone around me to have a good time. Of course, you have to deliver on jobs and you have to be hard working and stuff like that. But I'm just like, everyone works better when there's a good feeling around. Like I don't believe in putting pressure on people in a negative way. I always believe that things should be in a circular table and not just in a long table with you leading it and people down the sides. Like I think we live in a very collaborative industry as well. Um, I just think you get the best out of people when you put the best out there from you. It's interesting, isn't it, Bailey? Because I'm always... I'm always going on to you about um, Bailey, how much how much personal development I have to do to keep my life in check. But you, but Bailey, you're kind of the same. You 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 do do your little things, you know, your workouts and stuff like that. But you don't. You, you're not as on it as as me. Um, and maybe you, you've got the same kind of uh, thing as Adrian, like in it. Yeah, I, I do definitely feel a lot of alignment with what you're saying, Adrian. Just like this nature of enjoying what you're doing rather than trying to chase something i feel like when you chase something you lose the enjoyment because you're looking past the moment you're in right do you feel that same kind of thing yeah yeah 100 percent. like you know of course there's moments where there is a lot of pressure in jobs like that and like that but for me it's just so important to not put that out there because all you're going to do is put it on other people and then the pressure becomes bigger and worse and 
I, I yeah, I just try and find the joy in like just normal things and not try to think about things too much. And I know it's so easily said than done. Um, and it's not always like this, but you know, that, I feel like that's what keeps me sane and going forward. You're, you're living in the now. Yeah, I, I do. I do try and do that as much as I can. Like, as I said, like adulting now, like, you know, it, it changes you that. And obviously you have more responsibilities and things like that. Um, but, but I try to keep as much as I can of that kind of side of me. Do you have children? Not yet. No. Oh, 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 Asian. I know every, everyone around me has children now. And like, you know, uh, like, I don't know what's worse. I don't know if I'd rather be one of the first ones now, now that's just hearing all their stories <laughs> and then knowing what I'm going to go into, hopefully. <laughs> so just to pick back up on this like, energy that you carry forth with you and finish off on that. Obviously, throughout your career, there was a period that you were dancing still whilst assisting and choreographing. And then I know you came to a point that then you then made a split off from this point onwards, like I'm retiring from dancing and going full choreography assisting. That decision feels very contrasting to what we've heard so far this episode about your energy. I'd love to hear like what was going on around that period that made you make that switch? What led to that decision? It's obviously brought such great results for you. Like what brought that around for you? I think when I was around like, 28 and I was assisting a lot and and I was also starting to I'd already like choreographed a few little things here and there um I kind of was like oh you know maybe this is something I should do then like go on to choreography and obviously as I said it felt quite natural so I kept assisting I I was still dancing and then starting to choreograph a little bit And then by the time I was 30, I was like, oh, maybe I should just, I just didn't want to, like, when I was a dancer still, when I was choreographing, I didn't like to, like, put out there much that I was choreographing. So I would do the jobs. And so obviously social media wasn't as big as it is now and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't, like, I didn't necessarily talk about it that much. I just didn't feel like, I didn't want to feel like any, Not. I mean, all the choreographers I was working for, like, you know, they were all incredible and they were doing everything, but I didn't ever want to feel like I was like a threat to that. Not, not that I was going to be a threat to them, but I didn't want to be like, you know, I'm assisting you. I'm, I'm always very conscious about people thinking that I'm here for my own agenda and maybe then to try and do them jobs. So I guess I didn't, I didn't really like think about it too much. And I always kept it in the down low. And then it got to the point when I was like, you know what, I feel like dancing is not fulfilling me anymore as much as it used to. I still enjoyed it, but I think I got bored of not having responsibilities and just being told what to do. Um, And when I started to think like that, when I was like 29, 30, that's when I thought, well, maybe I need to do the switch. So one, there's no confusion of what I'm doing. If I'm a dancer, if I'm a choreographer, if I'm assisting, I didn't want to keep like the three going. I don't mind keeping the like the dancing and the assisting or the assisting and the choreographing, but I don't want to be seen as like, well, what is he doing? Because when you start to look for choreographer, like, a, um, sorry, for clients when you're choreographing, but they still see you dancing with people. In my mind, not that it has to be like this anymore. It never has been. I did. I want it to be a clear picture of who I was and what I did. And so by the time I was 31, I was like, okay, you know what? I feel like 
I've had an amazing dance career. Of course, I could have done more or less or whatever, but I was happy. I think I ticked all the boxes, not that I was trying to tick any boxes, but I felt fulfilled with what I did. And I had some great experiences, so many stories, so many amazing memories and moments. And I made so many incredible friends and it just felt right. It just felt like it definitely was scary to just be like, because I had the safety of being a dancer because I was still working as a dancer, but I didn't want to get to the point where it felt like I was drying up. And then that was why I was making the decision. So yeah, I, I kind of said at 30 that I was going to do it. And then I just chickened out and it held for another year. And then it got to the point when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm stopping dancing. And then I remember, I'll never forget, you know, I've, I've been working for Kim Gavin for quite a few years, like dancing um, on all the Take That tours and stuff like that. And then I started to like, assist as well, like when Nathan Clark used to choreograph it and stuff. So I did, I did that. And then all of a sudden, um, I, I, I got like I was stopped dancing for like a couple of months or whatever. And then Kim came back to me and he was like, we're doing Take That Tour again. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, and he was like, do you want to be a dancer on it? And I was like, oh, how can I say no to this? And I was like, no, I need to say no. I need to like be looked at the way I want to be seen. So I decided to say no. And I was like, this is absolutely crazy. I'm saying no to another Take That Tour, which is the biggest highlight that I've had on my touring days is like just touring with an amazing band all around Europe, having the best time on and off stage. And I said, no. And I was like, am I going to regret this? And I got very like, well, I don't know if it's luck or what it is. It's fortunate that then he was like, well, no worries. Do you want to choreograph it? <laughs> and then that was like, <laughs> and then it kind of turned out to be that, you know, it was like, another great decision I did. And, you know, there, there, there isn't right or wrong answers. It's just what feels right at that time. And I, I was very fortunate that, you know, it gave me all of a sudden, like, I'm fully swapped to being a choreographer and I'm choreographing the tour to say that. Like, I mean, you know, I couldn't dream of anything else, really. Like, it, it was epic. I love that story. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, ah, oh, it's such a, ah, oh, do you know, it, 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 it's so nice to hear these type of stories because you know often we don't get the chance to say it um there isn't that many sort of podcasts or you know things outlets for dancers or creatives to to sort of talk like that until you get to i don't know, you know hollywood level and people are wanting to interview all the time but to hear that it's just oh, it just makes me feel so good so what so i mean we're going to get you to, we're going to delve into some of the things, people and, the, and the, the great jobs that you've worked for. But just that moment with Kim Gavin. So what was Kim, what was he, well, when he said that, what was he going to do? Was it, did he not choreograph any of it? Or is he just like, no, I can't be fucking asked. I've done, I've done so much. <laughs> I'm Kim Gavin. I've done so much that now I just, what, what, why did he say that? Like, what, you know, did he not need to do it or what? Um, I think just, you know, things just aligned for it to be like that. I don't, I think also like, you know, Nathan Clark, who's choreographing up to that point, like, you know, Kim Gavin was the creative choreographer as well. And then Nathan was choreographing with him. And then I think it just lined up that that year, like Nathan was busy with other stuff. And obviously he, I was kind of, I kind of was the next in line. Like I was the person that was the, the second man that was always there for him and helped him and stuff. And yeah, and I like in those days, um, 
like he's still choreographed. So it was like the first year I choreographed the Take That Tour with him. I, it was still like a collaboration and we kind of did it together. It wasn't until like the second and third tour that I did for Take That as a choreographer that then I think Kim was like, okay, I think I'm quite happy to just be more creative. And he's still, you know, he's a dancer at heart and he always will be. So he still like wants to help and do steps. But it was like it, we were a position that he felt like more comfortable with just me doing it and then him giving his pointers and things like that. So, but you know, but it just depends. Every job that we do, it, the situation is different depending what the job requires and or if he wants to be more the creative or he feels like it's something that he would be better at, like the coffee side. Like, so, you know, we take every job as it goes and you just, it's always different, really. I mean, you you got you got to look at that. You have got to the point, Adrian, where you were the one out of out of all the choreographers and anyone who could have been picked for that worldwide. You were the one who got then to do a take that choreographer take that tour. Which you know, I mean, there there isn't a group bigger English group really. I don't think that take that. Although they're they're now down to their three, um, they're still huge. That I've just been watching a podcast with them this week. In fact. Um, God, wow. Um, and, and it makes you think when, as choreographers and dancers, when we do get to that point of choreographing for a massive artist or, or, or dancing for one, that you've got to the absolute sort of the highest level of being a performer in the UK. Um, if you think there's thousands of performers, and the fact that you got to all that way to being then the choreographer, it's, do you ever think like that? Do you ever, or, or do you just, it's just, you know, it's just, it just comes or like, do you ever stop to think, fucking hell, <laughs> you've really fucking made it? Probably, well, probably not enough. Um, I guess, you know, we always have our freelance head on and as much as, you know, we, we need to be so grateful for everything that we've done and stuff like I guess you've always got that kind of like, oh, but what's going to happen next and stuff like that, you know? So, I mean, I'm so grateful for everything that I've done, but then, you know, I look at people around me and I compare myself sometimes to them and you just go, well, I've also done nothing. Like, and I don't mean that in a you know, big-headed way or anything like that, but, you know, like, I guess it just depends where you look it from and in what direction you look at it. Like, you know, I just, I always, I don't know. I never think it's as big as maybe it should be. And maybe that maybe helps it to be easier. <laughs> well, who 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 is that next? Le- I mean, I suppose what the next level would be Ashley Wallen, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like people like that, like you know, like it's just incredible everything they're doing and everything they've achieved. And once again, they're just they're just like humble people, you know, that just work and do what they do, and they're great at it, and everyone loves them for it for very good reasons, you know. So to dive more into these artists that you've worked with, obviously you've got such incredible names on your CV. Take that, Elton John, Ed Sheeran. I feel like when people think about becoming a choreographer, we often think about working with the dancers, choreographing for the dancers, but we don't often think so much about the actual choreographing the artist. We just think of that as a credit. You, who's really been in the room working on these tours, I'd love to hear how differently you feel that process is choreographing on the artist how they respond to that how you have to maybe change your approach if you have to to 
work with that person who might not have as much dance experience yeah i mean you just never know um you know we're all very different human beings so every job you go to when you have to deal with someone for the first time you just have no idea how approachable they are so that's that's why i always say like part of being a choreographer i think 50% or if even less like is choreography the rest is just like how do you deal with humans like with people i think that's such an important factor you know it's like you know being on the same level as them and make them feel like easy like make them feel like it's you know it's not going to be a stressful journey or a stressful time and i think for me finding that balance is is always what's the hardest thing at the beginning is finding the balance of what they need and what you need to get the best out of them um so i think you know and every experience is it's like a different ball game you know sometimes they're very approachable and they can't wait to do dance steps sometimes you know you have to think we've all had we've all got insecurities as much as you think oh this is what they do every day yeah but all of a sudden this other person is coming to the room and is telling you what to do and i was like who's this stranger that i've never met telling me where to put my foot in front of the other and stuff like that so you just it like you have to do this work of teaching choreo or movement or whatever at the same time as sussing out if they're enjoying it or if they want to be told or how they want to be told or if they you know what i mean like it's i think that is the hardest bit it's just finding the human side of the balance between that i'm sweating adrian with you saying that just got, thinking back to some times when i worked with famous people that 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 first few moments or the first day of getting over it <laughs> get getting through it to and in my head it's the worry that you know will they like me do they do that are they enjoying what i'm giving do you know what i mean and because sometimes you just you've got no idea um and also there's that thing of oh my god this person's really famous like how how do you um how do you sort of calm your nerves when you're walking into a room, for example, there's bloody Elton John, you know, I mean, that would just blow my mind. You know? I, I don't think I choreograph anyone as famous as Elton John. Um, I mean, not that I don't think you gave him dance moves or whatever, but just, I mean, he's seen it. He's worked with everyone. And then Adrian Gass walks in. Go. Uh, I mean, for me, it's just trying, trying, I say trying because it's not easy, but just trying to, to like treat them as like your friend or someone normal, like because you know at the, at the end of the day, like as we said, we don't know how they're feeling. So I think just try to be approachable and not try to be too much or too little. And I know like there's no, as I say, there's no formula. Like I just try to be myself, try to be nice. And of course, sometimes you're going to say the wrong thing because you're trying to maybe impress or try. But I just try to keep as real as i can to what i am and try well that's why i say try because i know it's not always achievable and you know you might say something silly and stuff like that but it's just just trying to calm your nerves I, you know i can be very nervous inside but i do try and make sure that my nerves don't come across in the outside <laughs> Yeah, I remember it well. I remember it well. Just it's it's like you want to you want to be professional, you know. You don't want to sort of concede too much, but it, it's just 
you know, to, you've also then got the dancers as well that you're still having to deal with, you know, if, or with a crowd or whoever you're, you know, you're working with. And then the famous person. Like, I, I always really admire anyone who gets to that level and, and can continue because I think everyone can get, get, you know, work with one artist or work on one tour. Um, but getting them to like you and the production company wanting to book you again, just tell us a bit, a little bit about that. Because it seems that once you start working with people, they tend to, it looks like they like you, Adrian. Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I know I'm going to be like on loop on saying this, but I, uh, once again, as I always say, like, it's, it's how you treat people. And if people like you, it's half, half the job done. Like, of course, you have to be great at what you do and all good, but it's just being humane and being real and not feel like you have to be above anyone or you have to prove anything. I'm not a big, you know, prove to be here and like show someone how it's done. Like, I just, I just think it's just how you deal with people. That for me, I believe half the time, I don't even think my work is that amazing, but I just get fortunate that people want me back because they haven't like having me around <laughs> there's such a beautiful theme running throughout this entire episode of just how that like energy and approach has driven your entire career and how that when you walk into a room is what makes people warm to you and not at all to discredit your talent but that has clearly been such a driving factor for you i'd love to dive into a little bit more of just your advice for an artist in terms of them personally what do you feel are like the most important qualities that you see in a room now working with you where you can recognize someone and go that dancer is going to be the next big Craig for they are going to follow a similar path to myself like what are those qualities you would recognize I think we're all in this I mean we're always have been but especially nowadays like with this whole like social media and uh class and all that kind of stuff that like we're so fixated in dance steps sometimes nowadays then I feel like people forget to be professional as well. And in an era where, you know, like dancers network and all these things, and we all want to make sure that like all the rights are there and everyone gets fair, everything. But I feel like sometimes we forget that we need to act like professionals. And I feel like that's what gets, obviously talent is a massive factor, of course, but just being professional and doing things right Um never thinking like treating everyone how you want to be treated and just be professional how you reply to emails how you deal with people and it's not how you deal with your peers like how you deal with the director or producer da, da, da. it's like how you deal with the runner that's coming to the dressing room to give you water every time how you know it's all them little things that i just think add up i think it's all factors and i think we just need to remember that like we all deserve everything, but then you have to give back for that. Like, I don't believe that we just deserve everything because, just because, like, you have to put that work in return to be able to match that. And I think it's all about balance and you have to balance that professionalism. And as good as you have to be on stage while you're performing, you need to be as good when you're off stage in the dressing room or anything like that, you know. I think it all adds up and I think you need that balance of everything. I don't I don't think you can just become an incredible performer but then not be professional. I think there's no longevity on that. And I think for me, like what I've been fortunate enough is longevity and I feel like there's always something after because people want to come back to me and there's no point being amazing on one job but be 
an absolute, um, you know, not nice human being to everyone to get there because there's no karma will bring you back and you, there's just no longevity. It might last you a few years or whatever, but there's, there's no, I don't think there's no future in that. That's so interesting because, um, and I reckon we, we often will cut little bits up of the podcast and put them out as individual bits. That little bit there will probably go out as an individual bit because it's such important what you're saying there, you know, because when you're on a music video or when you're on a shoot, I've said this so many times that the person sweeping or the person bringing the, the cups of coffee is next year's Beyonce's director. None of them are there just to be the coffee person or just to be the, you know, they're all there as part of a team. And, and often they're helping one each, you know, a cameraman might be helping someone out, out, uh, you know, and then next week they're on another shoot helping someone. And, and it, it is, even if you're not a nice person, it's just something good to practice. Just being nice to everyone, because that person will, in a few years time, you know, who is the runner, will be the person you come against. You know, you might be at the weather studios, uh, you know, shooting some TV show. And there they are. Now they're the director. Now they're the production, whatever. And they have a much more important role. So, you know, it's. It's, it's, I think that's really good information and really good advice there. And also, like, uh, I know it's very easily said, not done, you know, we, like a lot, a lot of people, we all suffer from mental health at some point, but it's just, it's so much easier to be nice. <laughs> I find it so much easier. It's so much easier to interact with people. It's so much easier in the long term, in the short term, in any term, like, you know, and I know, you know, you never know what's going on inside someone's mind. And sometimes you react to things badly because of what's going on with you. And I can understand that. But what I can't understand is just being cruel because to people or being rude to people because you're going through something. You shouldn't, you should, and I know it's once again, very easily said and not done, but you shouldn't put that out there to affect everyone else around you. We've talked about, you You spoke about at the start working with Nicole Schusinger, whatever her bloody name is, Schusinger. <laughs> That's the one. Um, and, you know, you've worked with Elton John, Ed Sheeran. Um, I mean, when we went through your website, like I knew you had worked with a lot of people, but, but you've done hell of a lot of work. Um, but what was interesting for me was to see the the choreographers you'd worked for, being a choreographer my, you know, myself, um, back in the day and it was interesting to see names like um obviously Ashley Wallen you've worked with David Layton um Litza Blitzer um who who I always saw as it was like she was the most amazing woman because I don't think could she actually dance did she was she a dancer at all like well, she was whenever I seemed to do anything it seemed she would be the the master at basically just getting people to do it and then that's what I want um but she, you say she was a dancer as well yeah she was a dancer yeah yeah obviously she directed more as well so she she definitely was also like a director of movement so she really knew how to bring the best out of people and that's like such an important factor i think with especially with she did so many commercials and a lot of the time is bringing the best out of an individual instead of maybe like an ensemble of people doing a number because um, she did a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and she did that very well. Like, you know, like the first, uh, 
time I ever worked for her is when I did my, uh, I did a campaign, a Vodafone commercial. And that's kind of like one of the things that kind of really put me out there to people to get to know me. And she, for example, you're right. That like, for example, like she wasn't like necessarily like a tap dancer and this was a tap commercial for me, but she knew how to bring the most out of someone. Um, so, you know, it's, that's a talent that a lot of people don't have. They just know how to do dance steps, but they don't, they don't know how to bring the best out of individuals, you know? Um, and she definitely did that to me in that commercial. And that's in a way what put me in the map in the commercial world. Like, you know, had my solo dancing commercial that was going in cinemas and TV throughout um, quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. And that was at my earliest stages. Cause before that I'd done, I started with stars in the rise and then I did a musical and then I wasn't really sure, you know, what I wanted to do, but that's kind of what helped me people in the commercial world get to know me and get new agents and stuff like that. So that was a, it was a big moment for me for sure. Who, um, was it Michelle, uh, who choreographed stars in your eyes? Was it Michelle? Thorne, yes, yes. God. I never got, a, when I was a dancer, I never ever got anywhere in her auditions. Like, it was like, I'd go to an audition, get the job, go to audition, get the job, go to her audition, nothing. And it was always at Bloody Dance Attic as well. Uh, <laughs> wow, Stars in Your Eyes, that was a good gig to get. Yeah, it like, that was my first job in the UK and that was amazing. And it was hard work. Like, it was like dig deep in there, like, especially as a newbie. Like, it was all dancers that were like high end at that point, like they were doing everything. And so you'd literally felt like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in between all these people. Like, I really need to switch it on, you know? And, and I felt very lucky to be able to learn alongside amazing dancers and such hard work in, like, choreographer. Um, yeah, it was, that, you know, as you say, it's like we are, we are, you know, from all these little elements and things that happen in your life, that's who you become. And it's thanks to these kind of jobs that made me who I am today, you know? So to transition us out of this conversation around like working with choreographers and movers towards casting, where we'll nicely come to your book, Adrian. Myself and Stuart were having a conversation a few weeks ago, I think it was on the podcast, regarding the reason that dancers get cast. Obviously, within the casting room, we often hear people saying they didn't get cast because the choreographer had favourites. And myself and Stuart were trying to pitch a point of sometimes what you perceive as being cast because they're the favourite is actually they're cast because the choreographer trusts them. For example, I'm sure yourself as a choreographer, you wouldn't want to send someone out on the front row of the Brit Awards, one of the most watched TV moments in the calendar year, and it be a dancer who's never even worked your job before. How much of a factor do you feel that trust plays? And what would your reaction be if anyone was to ever accuse you of casting because of favourites? Where do you think that balances on why people get cast? Oh, here we are, David. <laughs> <laughs> well I, I think like people are so like I think everyone's so self-involved sometimes and I don't mean this in a negative way you have to be quite self-involved like to be in this industry but I feel like people just don't realize that like every casting every audition it's a completely different reason sometimes it might be because you're the favorite person to that choreographer why because like let's be honest like as dancers should put themselves in the choreographer's like heart and be like who do I rather work with? Someone that's great, but I really don't like, or someone that's either great or okay, 
but they really get on with. Like, I want to have a room of people that I get on and I still know they're going to deliver. Of course, I'm not going to put someone that if I don't think they're not going to deliver. But it doesn't always just come back to like, who's the best or whatever, like, who's going to bring the best to that experience or that job. So sometimes it can be that sometimes it can be like, yeah, it's my favorite people because I love hanging out with them. And I know they're going to deliver. And we're going to have a great time. And I'm going to go back after that to do another job and I'm going to be like that was amazing instead of like oh my god that was like stressful and annoying because like oh yeah he did the great dance steps but I couldn't deal with him like he didn't like I didn't like the way he spoke to me da, 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 da. so there's there's definitely that as one side but then, then there's the side where sometimes you cast and you've got not even a say you send all the videos to the producer and the producer says him because of the color of his hair yes because of the color of his skin or yes because i like that dance step he did like you just never know why so of course as we all naturally do we all gonna imagine and think what it is but you have to kind of do a bit of that to make you better in the next casting like judge yourself in that casting to see what could have i done better but not necessarily to get it just to be like i came out of that casting doing exactly what I should have done, the way I should have done it, and I was quicker taking the notes. Da, 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 like, judge yourself to make you better, but don't try and judge yourself to be like, oh, I would have got it if I was like two inch taller, or like, da, 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 da. Try and fix the things that you're in control with, but you can't, you should never try and fix the things you can't control, which is a producer wanting a certain thing, or a client wanting a certain thing, or whatever the casting brief is and you just don't fit it or the way that you did a certain thing or the way you entered because you were sloppy like be the best version of yourself and try and be better but you will never be able to get all the castings you will never be everyone's favorite because every casting audition requires something completely different like you can't please everyone you just need to try and get that out of your mind as much as you can Ladies and gentlemen, the lion has woken up. <laughs> it, we can hear you're passionate about that. Um, it's interesting because I, I always used to think, would I want to, you know, I might, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm flying with a group of dancers, is there a dancer that I do not want to get stuck with sitting next to for eight hours or five hours or whatever, however long the flight is? So that would come into my head. And also, early mornings having breakfast in a hotel you know is is that someone that i want to see at eight in the morning when i'm feeling like shit um and you know and they're are they too much and it, it's interesting because people think it's just you know oh whether they are whether they're talent but as you say there's so many things that come into it um it's unbelievable okay we want to know we want we saw the reason why we um obviously you know we you were going to be in our lineup with it. Anyway, we were going to ask, we were asking the, the, the best of the best to come on here, but we saw you put out, um, your social media post. Tell us about Casting Chronicle. What's the idea? Um, what's the plan for it? And how can our viewers help you with it? Okay. So Casting Chronicles, um, it's something I had in my mind and I was like, I'm someone that never really writes much or, or reads myself so like why am I doing a book who knows anyway <laughs> basically I just always remember like you know having conversations like throughout the years when I was casting a lot and now when you're on the other side of 
people that have done silly things, people that have done extraordinary things, people that, you know, there's there's so many stories out there, especially because there's so many castings. And I know now it's a very different industry and it's all a lot on Zoom and stuff like that, but another factor of it that's great is how many great stories there's out there of additions and castings and not just for dancers, but for actors, for singers, for, you know, for anyone, a talent, basically. And I kind of, you know, we're so busy doing so many different things and stuff like that. It's something that I was like, oh, I always thought about. And I was like, and I had a couple of days off a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, you know what? I just need to try and like push this forward. And I know it's really hard because everyone is so busy. Who's got time nowadays to just sit down and write their stories to send them to someone else when it's not for you, it's for someone else. But but I thought, you know what? I need to put it out there. Um, I, I've, there's some great stories that you've heard throughout the years and I just wondered how many more there must be out there. And I just thought, what better than put it into the book? And and it's just a passion project. Like, it's not really about making any kind of money. If if it made any kind of money, I'd probably end up, you know, give it to a charity or give it to, you know, something in those lines. Like, it's not something, but I just thought... We, we can cut we can cut that bit out if uh, if it makes millions, yeah? <laughs> you know and i and i also think that like you know it's it it is for us i just think it'll be really great fun to have you know it could be a great christmas present it could be like a little book that you have there to to read little stories little short stories and not get ingrained into something big and you know if we can do more volumes and stuff like that but yeah the question is can i get people to write stories for me that is definitely proving difficult um i've i've been like people are sending stuff but obviously i just need a lot more because you know there's so many different versions and you want to make sure that it feels worthy of like people's experiences and stuff like that um so yeah i'd, I'd, I'd love if people yeah you, you just even if you it's not about following me on instagram or like that but it's just like trying to like send me um uh, your stories that'd be very appreciated and i don't mind if it's a funny story it's a terrifying story or it's a, a you know a beautiful story like you know we can not it's not until i have all these different elements that i'm going to fully decide maybe how this book works i just need to see how much content i can get together and then see what this ends up becoming um and i don't know if we can write here but we might be able to write the email that we can send your stories or on instagram like you can dm them to me um but yeah casting chronicles i'm sure you can find it easily it'd be it'd be amazing if you can send it <laughs> yeah so if you go down below the video right now we will have put a link in the description to adrian's social media post which then you can go on you can have a full read of what he's asking for and then get in touch share your stories I really think, Adrian, this is going to be such an incredible piece of like learning for the industry. I feel like all of us as dancers, former dancers, have the, I feel like everyone has a real like beautiful learning moment from the casting room, which could be quite interesting to just now just throw the baton around and each give like one of our experiences each. So I'll kick us off. Um, the one that always stands out to me, and feel free to steal this for the book, by the way, is when I was in third year at college, I went to a casting for Disney at Pineapple, the classic queued up around the corner. And they brought an American casting director over. So like, bad on us, but barely anyone in the line then knew who this casting director was. And before the casting, she then walked down the line, basically pretending to be a normal member of public, asking people what they were queuing for, what's going on. 
then as people were starting to go, oh, I'm here, it was for a job on Disney Cruises. And as people were then starting to say, oh, it's for a cruise audition, they were then going, oh, cruises take quite a, lot, a long time, don't they? How do you feel about that? And I remember there was one guy in front of me in the line who were gone, yeah, I'm actually here just for audition experience. I don't want to do a cruise. And the second we got in the room, he then got cut before we did any of the audition. And that was a moment for me that I was like, whoa, like this is about saying the right thing. And it kind of stems to what I feel like has been a whole theme of this podcast of being a good person. Obviously, in that sense, they're kind of in the line wasting time of that casting director. But I'm sure there'll be other people throughout that line who maybe just haven't been quite responsive because they thought it was just a member of the public, so they've overlooked it, and that turned out to be your casting director. And for me, because I was in third year as well, going through, like, you know what it's like through college. You get hammered into you. Your technique is everything. Your style is everything. That, for me, was that moment I went, it's not all about being the greatest dancer. It's actually about that 50% of being a good person, which was such a beautiful moment for me. So that's my story. Feel free to steal it. I'll chuck it both for your ways, whoever wants to jump in next. Let me let me jump in next. So uh, what I tell you, it, it's, it's interesting you say it, Barry, because when people go for castings, it's, you know, often they don't realise the person who you've had to sign in with will often then go and walk into the casting room or whatever to, to, to give the sheets or whatever. And they're, they're always, you know, they've got their beady eyes on people. What are you, are they slagging what the job is off or are they talking about, you know, something else? It, you, you, you gotta be on it, guys. So my audition, um, it's my, my, I would say my classic story, which I think I might have said before on the, on, on our old podcast, actually, um, is my whole career changed from one audition. I went to this audition and it was packed. It was just about to start. Um, and, you know, there's me in, in like the second row thinking I got here on time. I'm very professional. I'm all doing good. And then it started, literally the, the choreographer started to, um, to, I think, teach something and then suddenly someone came in I won't mention who it was came in late walked all the way through and I'm thinking well obviously this person's going to get cut straight away they came in and they didn't stop to to you know where the dancers were they walked right up to the table and they said oh hi and they kissed the choreographer and they kissed the, the the agent and they kissed the client and they kissed everyone and I'm thinking this is so unprofessional they then get into into line they start dance dancing and learning and I'm thinking well there's no way this person's gonna get it they've turned up late and what happened they got the job and it was at that point I realized I need to become more than the dancer because, you know, I need to know the people on the table, whoever was on that table, they were the people having to say. And because that person knew that person, they then got the job. Now, I'm sure they were they were good enough for it. But it was at that point I saw the different levels of the industry and that actually it's a, it's, a, you know, who, you know, is a massive thing. Um, so. You know, yes, they shouldn't have turned up late, but it's, you know, in the end of the day, if you don't know anyone, it's a massive disadvantage. So it was at that point I was like, right, I want to be that person on the table, which is the, the, there was the choreographer first. I was like, right, I want to be a choreographer, 
But then also the agent seems to be, you know, they're, 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 they're make, Cogs making more money than the dancer. The agent's making money from all, all the jobs. I was like, Oh my God, there it is in a nutshell for me right there. So that changed my whole life. Cause I was like, right, I'm not just going to be a dancer. I'm going to go further. Um, what about you, Adrian? Okay. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you my story. I'm going to tell you my favorite one so far that I've had sent to me. Um, so basically this girl, uh, was go auditioning for a show. Uh, she was a singer and she was very nervous. Um, she was like, it was one of her first auditions. She hadn't done that many before. She got into this room. She walked in the whole panel there. They were not quite like, you know, by the end of the day, sometimes it can be a good thing. Sometimes it can be a bad thing if they've been there for hours and they, you know, they've probably seen already a lot of people they like, but obviously they still have to kind of see you. And she sang this song. She was like, they weren't even like properly looking at me. Like they were just like chatting between them. Da, da, da. And she finished singing. She was mortified, like temp trembling. And then she exited the room and she opened the door walked out what she thought was the door she'd come in but it wasn't it was a wardrobe so this girl walked in into a wardrobe and as she walked through it and obviously realized she was so embarrassed that she just like closed the door behind her instead of walking because she actually went the opposite direction of the exit so she just shut herself in the wardrobe because she was mortified of being like seen and then she obviously, the guys obviously was just chatting to each other, didn't even realize. And then the next girl came like in. So this girl sang. Then she was like, I don't know when to come out. So then another girl sang. And then the third, and then she was like, by the third one, she was like, I'm just going to have to do the walk of shame. Like, there's no other option. I can't stay here all day. So after the third singer, after her finished, and she started to exit. She just opened the door, didn't look at the panel, just looked down, crossed the whole room and exited. <laughs> oh, no. And I was just like, I think this story is absolutely brilliant. And I've heard this story like a few times over the years. And then when I put it out there about this, someone told me the story and it wasn't her. It was her friend that says, my friend, da, da, da. <coughs> live this and I was like I was so glad to hear it like kind of like from like someone close to her and I was like I would love to be able to put this story so she got in contact with her and she said that it was completely fine hopefully oh, <laughs> oh I would have just oh god I mean it's just that moment when you're so nervous you just like you just don't know what you're doing and then like the next girl came in so you're just like closed <laughs> oh it's just absolutely brilliant you you, you had Two choices, really, isn't it? To to quickly, as soon as you'd realise, oh, sorry, wrong door, and you know, nothing, you know, and, and like, no one would have known. Or I would have, if I was a nervous person, I probably would have just waited the whole audition until they went for dinner or something. So that's what I'm looking for, guys, stories like that. <laughs> so to, to finish off this episode, this is something we're going to start introducing in all of our guest episodes, which we're kind of calling our signature question which is all centred around like what you would like your legacy to be. The way I'm going to pitch this is if in 50 years, Variety magazine would come along and they were going to write a column on your life, how people have interacted with you, stories on you, and generally what you've achieved in your career, 
what is it that you would love to see them say about you within the article? What would be the real shining thing that you're like, yes, that sums me up how I would like to be summed up? For me, it wouldn't be about what I achieved professionally. Uh, for me, it would be more about how happy my life was, um, which is maybe not the most interesting like read, but it's not really about who I worked for and what incredible jobs I did. It would be more about how an amazing time he had and that he tried to live his life to his fullest. Um, and I know it sounds quite like meh, but that's, I guess, it's not, it's not really about like who you've worked for. For me, it's your experience of it, really. With an answer like that, Adrian, it's so obvious why you've got to where you've got to. Um, you know, I think it's so hard to keep a level head in this, in this industry because there is so much chaos and there are so many, um, we talked last week about last minute casting and stuff like that. And it's, everything seems quite a stress. So to have, have that level head and to, and then to give that type of answer, Adrian, I think that's a testimony to you, how you are as a person. And as you said, Bailey, it's, it's kind of run through this whole podcast, really. Um, well, um, we would love to, um, you know, when Casting Chronicles is published, if you get to that point, and I say that, you know, because it, it's a massive achievement just to, 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 to finish a book. I've tried, I've tried a couple of times, um, and they haven't seen the light of day, but we're, we are going to be optimistic and we're going to, um, we're going to reach out to our viewers and hopefully we'll get some more stories for you. And it's the type of book that I think everyone would look forward to reading. As you say, it'd be a great Christmas present. Um, is there a, is there, um, do you have, I know you don't, um, sort of plan. You know, you don't, you like to live day by day, but what is, do you have a timeline for it? Do you think, you know, could it be out next Christmas or are you looking at 25 or what? Um, I mean, if it could be for next Christmas, for example, like that's kind of vaguely what I aimed for. Great. But I think it will just come down to if I get enough stories from everyone, really. It's, it's more that. So I think I'll, I'll, every so often I'll keep pushing, you know, in our busy lives. I know we're all busy and we're all doing a thousand things at the same time. Um, so I'll just have to keep pushing. You know, there's a lot of people that said, oh, my God, I've got some great stories for you. But obviously you still haven't sent them. So just making a, a long list of people to like at least the ones that I know that they've said they've got stories and stuff to just try and keep pushing and see if I can get them from them. Even if it's a voice note and then I can write them down, you know, I don't mind. I just it needs to be easy for people. So they could just feel like free, feel free to just tell me the stories and, and being able to do something with them after. Um, so we'll just come down to see if I've got enough to, to do a little book for it, you know? Adrian, it's, 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 you know, we could go on forever. Um, but we do need to, we need to wrap up. It's been, it's been amazing to have you on. Um, before we go, is, uh, is, uh, where can people follow you? Where can, where can they, you know, if they want to see what you do, do you have a website? I mean, you do, but I'm going to get you to plug it. What's your website, social media, and is there anything else you want, um, to promote quickly? Well, I'm on Instagram. I'm Adrian Gas. Um, my website's adriangas.com. Not that I updated that often. Uh, <laughs> But um, yeah, and then, yeah, I think that's it really. I mean, all good. I just want to say thank you to you guys. I really appreciate you guys having me over. I feel privileged. And I really hope this goes bigger and bigger as we just talked about and that it all goes very well. Thank you so much. So before we leave off for today, hit subscribe on the channel, 
hit the like button, turn on the notification bell so you'll know all about the next episodes that come out. Big thank you for, to Adrian for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you want to see more about Adrian, all of those links will be down below in the video. If you're looking for a choreographer for a movement director, hit him up. You've obviously seen by this episode, he is your guy. So thank you for watching and we will see you all again next week.